Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Twenty-four minutes. We can go till seven twenty. Oh, yes. very generous, dude. Maybe seven nice. thirty. No, let's oh. go seven twenty-five. Seven twenty-two and a half. Okay. Okay. I bet we can get him to go to seven thirty. <laughs> That's yeah. the thing, dude. When you when you tell somebody it's going to be this much or this much time or this much money, I've discovered that with contractors. They say, oh, yeah, we'll be done by September. That means October or November, but, you know, you wouldn't accept that. So they tell you the early time that makes you a little bit more hopeful. But then, you know, it's just like when you fool yourself with the clock, you put it forward to get yourself to get out of bed. Then you do the math in your head like, okay, 722 means 718, which means I actually have a a couple more minutes to sleep. You know, if we just all told the truth... We'd be much better off. Tell the truth, or at least don't lie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, that's are, so wise. We should write a book. Are the contractors taking longer than you expected, Connor? Just <laughs> 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 in theory. Okay, sometimes this happens. I'm just talking it. Yeah. Yes, but I think it should be done. I'm going on retreat, and I'm going to come back, and it's it's going to be beautiful. Hopefully the floor yeah. will be all done. The pictures you sent of the baptismal font, it's pretty, very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Very, very beautiful. So are all the pieces of art, well, a lot of the pieces of art and the benches and the baptismal font and the altar, are, are they all coming from the same church? No. All, it's kind of a hodgepodge, but okay, I think they all look nice together. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the baptismal font and the pews are from All Saints St. Anthony in Bridgeport. <laughs> just closed recently um and the altar is from saint john cantius and the rest of the furniture is new and the crucifix is is new the stations of the cross and the tabernacle i got online from i think usechurchitems.com there's lots of like clearing houses of old church stuff online which I'm grateful for because like I've asked around even at the archdiocese, people who warehouse some of the stuff that closing churches, you know, get rid of. It's hard to find nice things. So even though it's, you know, profit motivated, at least somebody is gathering all their super nice stuff in churches to close and mm-hmm. we can still use them. Yeah. Once the chapel is complete, will you always, um, celebrate mass towards the the people or will you ever celebrate mass towards the altar wow you're just asking it straight up huh i okay we could talk no that's all a metaphor dude i was asking about your (laughs) put it this way it's a freestanding altar with room on both sides okay Yeah, no, I have no, I have no concrete plans to do mass at Orientum at this moment, but certainly uh, not ruling out the the possibility of that eventually happening. 
man, that's so true. And um, like even just your response there, Connor, to just a very simple question from Rob. It's like sometimes it feels like we have to use very veiled language to talk about really non-controversial, yeah. like not that big of a deal stuff. Right. But, yeah. you know, these things be, become proxy wars for all sorts of other stuff, you for, know, for other things. Yeah. Um, well, hey, I had an idea that I've been kind of mulling over and a desire. Uh, figured I'd, I'd share it with you guys. It came from the fruit of praying with uh, um, a, a book by Pope Benedict. I think it was even before he was a cardinal um, when, when he was fairly young. I could be wrong on that. But it's a really Joseph simple. Ratzinger? Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger. Well, I kind of feel like he was in Christ. He was always a cardinal, though, wasn't he? I it's think like, he was. like when Cardinal I, Cody would tell stories when he was a kid and how his mom would yell down to him, Cardinal Cody, come up for dinner. Like he was always a cardinal, even from when he was a little boy. I, I think Ratzinger was born a bishop. Mm. And then around his teen years, he became a cardinal. That makes sense to me. Yeah. 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 It, but I, I could be wrong on that. So, um, but the the book title I love it because it's just, it's like a really simple book title, but it's coming from his brain, which means that it's like intensely profound. But it's just God is near us, and it's just a book on the Eucharist, and he's got a chapter on the wellspring of life, and uh, the Eucharist as the wellspring of life, and he has this line that is it. It just made me pause and kind of think and pray with it, but he says that the Eucharist turns all of existence into thanksgiving. Mm. And, um, of course that's, so the Eucharist turns all of existence into Thanksgiving. And I mean, obviously the obvious connection is that Eucharist, Eucharistia means Thanksgiving and that the mass comes to transform all time and all space. So the mass is turning all things into Thanksgiving, but he kind of gets into the nitty gritty of it. And, um, he, because of what Christ does transforming, yeah, all time and all space that all material, that all things good and bad are now transformed into moments of like God's presence and God's grace because God is near to us in the Eucharist. And like, so looking at it in not just an abstract way, but then I was, I was trying to think about what that means for my own life is, um, is the entirety of my existence transformed into thanksgiving. And apparently that's only possible through the Eucharist because there's a lot of times that, uh, especially through like shortcomings and difficulties or faults of my own, or it's like moments that I need to be really humble. Um, I'm not really thankful for a lot of those things. And what it brought up in me was this desire to, uh, try to give glory to God, try to give God everything in my life, not just the good things, but to also offer up like not necessarily just the sufferings, but like the times when I make mistakes or the times when um, I fall short, which is very rarely, mm -hmm. okay, by the way, um, very, very rarely, but to offer up, yeah, even my mistakes as moments of thanksgiving to God um, that seems like a pretty big difference between, uh, like a saint and, and not a saint. 
that they give their whole life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Not like, hey, Lord, just take this, but like, actually, thank, thank you for this. This is a moment of thanksgiving because you've already transformed even all of these things. Even all of these things that I'm afraid of, that I want to hide, that I don't want to show you. I want to show you my great stuff. And like, glory to God, look at all the good things he's doing in my life. But can I give glory to God, even in the places where I fall short? Um, because I, my natural tendency is to hide those things mm-hmm. and to ask God why. But then in the Eucharist, apparently it's possible that all of existence is transformed into thanksgiving. And that makes sense for me when the good things are manifest. But like, can I give God even even my shortcomings? Um, it's like even offering up my, my limitations, my lack as a way to glorify God. Um, so it's kind of a desire, but I'm, I'm also trying to work out the uh, the nuances of what that means and to think about it correctly and, and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, it makes me think of, and I've brought this up many times, I think, but the Dietrich von Hildebrand book, Liturgy and Personality, um, and his whole idea of response to value. Uh, Baron writes the, in the version I had, Baron wrote the foreword. And um, the way he explains Hildebrand's response to value idea is that there's there's the subjectively satisfying and the objectively good you know so like you might not like um spaghetti and meatballs or something his favorite meal uh and that's fine but like to walk into the Sistine Chapel and to say like I just don't like it it's not my style it's it's kind of silly because that's like one of the masterpieces of humanity or the morally good like Maximilian Colby sacrificing his life for the, for the fellow, uh, campmate because he's a married man, has a family. That's just so objectively good and loving and generous that nobody could be like, yeah, but you know, that's just like his truth or whatever. You know, it's not, it doesn't make any sense to subjectify that when it's like these, the heights of human, goodness and beauty and the expressions of what we're capable of, of and what we're made for. Um, and so how much more like when God reveals himself, do we respond to that value? And it doesn't make sense for us to be like, you like God, but I'm not really into him. I'm more into like running. Um, that's a totally disordered, um, this capacity the human heart has to respond to value. In other words, like to respond to a good, a beautiful, a true with love and adherence, obedience, um, thanksgiving. Uh, and so what he calls like the normal person, that's, that's the opposite of like the regular or the typical sinful person, but the normal person is the, the one who responds to value according to the hierarchy of goods. You know, So you always respond appropriately to the good, um, in front of you. So if it's like, Oh, it's, there's mass, it's Sunday, give thanks to the Lord. You never prefer sleeping in and watching football because that's such a lesser good, but we sinners do that kind of thing all the time. Um, and the point that made me think of of it when you were talking is the idea of a personality then like is to become a normal person, uh, that responds to value appropriately. And only through the liturgy is that possible. Only through this 
this act of thanksgiving given to us by Christ himself. And so it's not, do we, do we become who we're made to be? Do we like have our priorities and our responses to the values reordered to where they should be and then therefore become saints, you know, like the unique person and, and sin, what resonated with me in this book was like sinfulness. When I feel like I'm not at my best, I'm just like this blah, you know, dime a dozen person, you know, whereas when I'm on fire and when I feel like, um, you know, state of grace, God's grace is pumping. I feel like my unique self, you know, that I have to offer to the church, to the, to the world, um, you become who you are when you're not doing it wrong. And, uh, if we think about even the mass as like, I'm going to get a grace. In other words, I'm still the center of it. Then it doesn't work the same as if you go to mass precisely just to give thanks. You know what I mean? Because God is so good. This is how I respond to that value of, of God's nearness that I just go and I kneel. I ask him for his forgiveness for my faults and then just give him the purest thanks I possibly can and respond to him. Then I become who I am. But if I even, if I go to mass, even just to like get the grace or get the, like I'm struggling and I need God, I need to feel God near me. That's good. It's a good thing, but it's not as good as simply what the preface says, Lord, to give you thanks is itself your gift. Right. Our praise, our praises add nothing to your glory. I don't know if I'm explaining that right, but does, does that make sense? Like it's when you, when you lay down your desire to be like special or, or whatever, the focus of God's attention, when we just give him our attention, paradoxically, that's when we become lit on fire, you know? Yeah, so I got a, I guess it's a pushback question on you. Okay. So how do you, how do you do that authentically when there are actually things in your life? Maybe it's a subjective response because the, yeah, well, and, and, and possibly a, a proper objective response that uh, something like objectively bad has happened in your life. How do you even give those things? to the Lord and Thanksgiving and be authentic to what's going on so that I'm not just coming before the Lord and saying, thank you, Lord, for letting that guy snap my leg in half. Hmm. I got a text yesterday. A lady fell down and broke her femur. Hmm. Apparently that's the most painful thing ever. There's a Brian Regan skit on that. Well, so the femur it, ward. it has to be true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a 10. 10 out that's of 10. It's a 10 out of 10 is a broken femur. So how do you give thanks for that? Oh gosh, you know, like that's it's kind of messed up. You're right. I think I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough, dude. Well, you know, I mean, the thing is, like with my dad being sick, I've, I've definitely thought about about that. You know, like how do you? How do you give thanks for everything? And I think I'm in a place now where um, I'm able. It's kind of like with the with the lion and the horse and his boy, the Narnia book. 
where he comes and walks by the by, by the boy and he's like why did you scratch me and why did you scare me and why did you do this and he explains like how all of those negative things fit into his arriving where he was supposed to be and they were all although they appeared to be uh senseless kind of like punishments or cruelties they were actually motivations they were helpful and then he's like what about this person how come you did that to them and he says i only tell them i only tell people their own story i keep going back to that in my life that um i don't know why she broke her femur but there's you know if you stay close to god and you give him it's possible to give him thanks in it you know because i've seen people suffer a lot and um they don't lose their ability to thank god way more than me and like i don't have to break my femur i could stub my toe and be like job you know Hmm. <clears throat> you got anything rob i kind of lost it um it looks like the wheels are turning yeah, you know, I think he's just distracted and he's thinking about baseball and how cool <laughs> he looks with that backwards hat. Deer hunting. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm reading the death of Ivan Illich. It's kind of appropriate in this. In this, um, there was an email. Let me see if you guys know this guy. I keep not responding to the email because I haven't read the article he put in. Daniels Chris, Christopher Daniels. LC is that Legionaries of Christ? Do you know him? Yeah, yeah, he's like one of my best buddies from high school. Oh, sweet. We we graduated from Pinecrest together. Yeah, he sent a really nice email, and this is for anybody that emails at least me. Um, if you send an article and it's at all long, I like don't usually respond to the email until I've read the article. So that's why it's been like a month and I haven't responded yet. But um, or if somebody sends an article and I know I'm not going to read it, I'll be like, hey, I'll definitely check that out. <laughs> <laughs> and then I respond, which I'm now realizing is technically lying, I think. But um, yeah, that's definitely a lie. I might, though. I might check it out. Okay. Anyways, he sent an article. Art Emanuelis talked about death of Ivan Illich. Really? Hmm. Uh, or maybe it's just seven. Ha- it's called Seven Habits Begin with the End in Mind. Um, and it's, uh, gosh, dude, I'm not done with it. I'm like a little over halfway through, but you talk about somebody I'm, I just finished last night before I fell asleep. The, the part where he's, his life is simply agony. Like he has this mm-hmm. sickness in him and no doctor, like all these doctors tell them that they're sure what it is and that it's very grave and that blah, 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 or give him some like semblance of hope. But they just, once they give him the diagnosis, they just check out and it's clear. It's not important to, th- to them his wife and his daughter. They're like know. trying how to figure out how to still do fun things. And yeah, things exactly. Like Everybody's just like, yep. how do I not let this bum me out? And he mm-hmm. is just sitting there like I wake up, I try to go to work to distract myself, but I can't because I, I can't work like I used to because of the pain. So then my alternative is stay home and simply wait till I try to fall asleep, which I can't and stay up all night in this agony. And I'm all alone. <laughs> like, wow, that is bleak. it is a yeah it's a hard book um so i don't know exactly how it connects what i was thinking of you kind of to your 
how you originally posed the the idea or the desire, Mets. It made me think of something uh, Jim Rafferty said last last week, and I don't know if I'll say it exactly how he did, but um, he was just it kind of given a little fervorino on. Um, I, I don't know, just like the vocabulary that we use around um, prayer and healing. And um, I mean, a lot of a lot of the language that is maybe fairly commonplace in like at least like the church world that we run run in. Um, and he just made this point of um, the way I heard him was God doesn't heal its and he doesn't heal places. Um, he heals people. And he saves people. And it, it just, it reminded me of, it was something that, I, it was probably the most helpful, I hate to give you credit like this, Connor, but it really made a lot of stuff in, when I was like actually studying systematically Christology, and it made a lot of stuff kind of click into place for me when it was trying to, you're just like start first starting to get your head around like, okay, there's this human and divine nature in Jesus, but he, he's a divine person with a human nature and, and trying to just like have that kind of keep it straight, at least in how it's laid out. Um, and you told me one time you were like, yeah, okay. He, he can't die in his divine nature, but his human nature. And, and you kind of like walk through it, but you said natures don't die. People die. And, um, Anyway, it was it was just interesting. So I don't know if that's helpful at all, Mets, or um, exactly how it fits. But I think that's at least the right framework for that type of um, like idea or like the question that's implicit um, with it to say like, yeah, I have no idea why um, like someone would like break their femur and how that turns into to thanksgiving especially like in that that instance um but and and i think you could even push it to say like you know when you look at the world you know it's probably the odds are not good of like how someone responds like we i think we're very blessed to see this like heroic suffering in people and this like unbelievable faith in, in a lot of people. And, and it, I love the horse and his boy comment of like, God tells them their story and, and he doesn't tell you their, their story. It's been very freeing for me as, as well, but you can push it like just in thinking about it and be like, man, for, you know, every person that responds like gratefully and with faith, there's probably five people that fall away in the face of it. Or seemingly not, and that's in our eyes, not God's, you know, so it's hard. Like that's, that's knocking on the door of some like deep and hard questions. But to me, at least the framework has to be like just that, that kind of subtle point of, of Rafferty of like, God doesn't heal places. He, he, he heals people there. So does that make sense at all? Yeah. 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 Yeah, For sure. Um, I, I do think it is connected and, um, I mean, you know, it's, it's certainly worth noting that I think the point of Thanksgiving and even the interaction with Christ in the Eucharist and his liturgy and 
joining our hearts with his sacrifice so that our hearts die and rise with him. Like it's, it's definitely a process. And so it's possible to come in with authenticity and lack of understanding and clarity and then give it to the Lord constantly and for him to translate the experience in a way that helps us to lead into gratitude or even rejoice in a cross that God's given us. Um, but that's, it's not like an instant magic fix, but that it's in relationship with another person that they tell you how they're working in your life. They, they help to translate your own story, which is, is different than just coming in and kind of mindlessly robotically just saying, thank you for breaking my leg. Like yeah. that's insane. You're, that's an insane thing to say. Mm. You, you snapped your femur. That's a 10. That's an objective fact. That's a 10 mm-hmm. on the pain scale. But I, th- there's a, what, there's a good example in our presbytery here in Atlanta of a priest who is an unbelievably good priest. He's just a very, very holy guy, very funny, and a huge goober, okay? He's like super smart, very talented, but just like not quite head in the clouds, but like it's like he doesn't care what's going on. But like everything's fine, just everything will work out, it's all good. But then he like really cares about people and it's, he's not absent minded uh, and he's not uh, distracted when he's with people. He's very attentive to the people in front of him. And he has like really shaped a lot of the guys in the presbyterate and he gives glory to God in all things when uh, the good things happen. But then like he'll just make some knuckleheaded mistake and he'll just like laugh at it. And it's like this, just this clear detachment from trying to do everything perfectly that reveals a total dependence on God that says like, hey, I mean, it's, it's very childlike, honestly. And because of that, his whole life has lived in this dependence on God. And so everything that he does, good, bad, and in between, it, it really glorifies God. Like, oh my gosh, this guy is not afraid of making mistakes. Like, this guy is not afraid of being himself. This guy, yeah, is not afraid of 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 being awesome as well, if that's what the Lord wants. It's just like totally not about him. Mm. And so, even in his Gooberstein-ness, it's just like you just laugh at it. And you're like, dude, I love you even more now. Mm. Like, mm. You made a mis- you made a mistake. And somehow, not only do I not care, but like I'm kind of bowled over by your humility. And it's just not about him. Yeah. He's probably like, read The Death of Ivan Illich, man, at mm-hmm. some point. He, he's probably a listener. Actually, Christopher, is he a priest? Your father, Christopher? No, not yet. Not yet. Brother. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of roasted you a little bit, Rob. Let me... Oh, oh snap. Oh. Okay. I think <laughs> our hard out is here. Let's go. Rob mentioned Tolstoy's The Death of Ivan Illich, and he gave kind of a lame reason on why you should read it, which I don't remember, but I laughed. I don't blame him. It's a tough book to describe without the listener questioning why they would ever read that. However, there's a great Art of Manliness article. I'll send that to Megan to put in the show notes on Ivan Illich. Yeah, dude. It, um, I'm thinking of... Um, De Gaulle, for some reason, this whole question of like the personality and it's not about you oh, man. and that kind of mm-hmm. radical humility. Um, 
And even the way he celebrates the liturgy, he becomes like another person. Tarkos, all of you. <laughs> this is, by the way, the guy who does our intro. Three dogs north is an attempt to objectify the subjective. So this is a guy that's just totally unselfconscious and yet has become, I think, thereby become himself, you know, the personality he was made to be. But the, I think the challenge, too, is like, you know, some of the wounds and I mean, there's breaking your femur, but then there's like being truly hurt by someone, you know, and how that in someone's story becomes a place of thanksgiving is a total mystery that we can't, you know, glib like, oh, well, God brings good out of every evil, you know, it's so intensely personal how that becomes a place where you can actually thank God and see how he mysteriously allowed it for some good. Um, that is, uh, that's an intense place and usually takes a while to get there. Yeah. Yeah. And when I brought it up, I wasn't even talking about maybe some of those intense things, but, um, I mean, obviously that that's all part of it because it's all part of, it's all relational. And so it's all part of the personal encounter with Christ that, uh, that we're made for, but, there's just like a lot of stuff and ways that you can just make little faux pas throughout the day as a priest. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, just trying to give everything, you know, we just juggle a lot of balls and wear a lot of hats. And, uh, sometimes you can misplace your hats and drop, you know, drop the balls you're juggling. And, uh, like, I just want to give all that. I, I don't want to have like half of my day sectioned off when a meeting goes well, that it's like, yeah, God, that was for you. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, I, I miss another meeting. It's like, no, that actually, that was for you too. That was for you too. Yeah. yeah. It made me think of, um, the, the stubbing your toe or like falling and breaking your femur. My, I don't know if I've told you this story on the, on the cast, but one of my nephews, uh, what he says when he trips. Oh yeah. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> it's like bloody toe, bloody knee. I love that. I love that so much. <laughs> Man. Well, good talk. We can uh, we could do the heart out that I wanted. 822. Is it 30 seconds? Gosh, that's what we called. That's what I said, didn't I? You nailed it. Uh. Well, hang up quick. Better hang up quick. Well, guys, I'm going on a retreat, so pray for me, please. I think the grace that I desire is rest and divine intimacy. Just to kind of like be in fullness. That's that's a word that's been coming on me and my heart as well. Like these empty places to be filled up. To have to be full, you have to be empty. Dude. Boom. Put Whoa. that on a holy card. Get that Dude. on a t-shirt. <laughs> Put that on a t-shirt right now. Someone write it on a white t-shirt and send was, it to us. Monica said the other day we need to get new merch. So I'm gonna pray. This is I'm gonna this is my grace. I'm gonna pray for you on your retreat. Is more cool hipster beanies. This was made for me by a grad student. That's the most hipster thing that could be. Did they knit it? They knit it, and she's super smart, Jocelyn. And it's the the lines in it are 
spaced according to the Fibonacci sequence. So I'm, I'm assuming we don't have time to go into the Fibonacci sequence. I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's a math thing. It's a math thing? Yeah. Don't want to know. Actually, I won't allow it on the podcast. Don't even <laughs> bring it up. <laughs> All right. Later, dudes. See ya. All right. See you guys. Follow Free Dogs North on Instagram. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisc, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.